97.9 The Hill, WCHO, and the UNC Hustman School of Journalism and Media present Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. Sports Focus, dedicated to in-depth examination of issues of overriding importance in the sports world. Each week, we'll discuss problems and look for solutions in professional, collegiate, and amateur sports. From Carroll Hall on the Carolina campus, here's your host, UNC journalism professor, Charlie Tuggle. Welcome to Sports Focus. Our topic today, the big dance, March Madness. Our guest, Brendan Marks, a writer for The Athletic and a UNC alum. So, Brendan, let's go straight to the heart of this thing. Do you see any ACC team making the Final Four? Oh, boy. that It, it would be daunting. Um, I just filled out my bracket, you know, my final one last night, and I did not have any ACC team in the Final Four. And, you know, I think that sort of speaks to the, the weaknesses that the conference had this year. Um, you look, and this is the first year in almost four decades that the ACC hasn't had a single top three seed in the tournament. Um, you know, the top seeds, Virginia is dealing with some COVID issues right now. Florida State obviously isn't playing its best basketball right now. So, uh, no, it's, it's it would be tough for me to envision any ACC team making it that far. I, I'd be surprised if an ACC team even makes it to the Elite Eight. All right, so why? Why is that the case in 2021? Yeah, I, I think it's a number of reasons, you know, just strictly speaking in terms of the bracket, um, there are no easy paths for the ACC, you know, uh, teams that I thought might have some some sleeper potential to make runs, a team like UNC even, for instance, um, which is a really difficult draw in the bracket. Obviously, if UNC is able to beat Wisconsin in this first round matchup, then, you know, oh, your reward that then is uh, Baylor, you know, the number two overall seed. So that's a that's a really tough matchup for UNC. I think their guards are, you know, some of the best in the country. You know, I liked Virginia Tech a lot, but again, same sort of deal. If they win their opening round matchup, they're, they're going to be facing the two seed in Ohio State in the second round. So the bracket didn't really do the ACC any favors. And, and then the other thing I'll say is the league this year just didn't have a true top to bottom, you know, straight line dominant team. You know, there was a lot of good teams, Virginia, Florida State, UNC, Virginia Tech. Um, but none of them were truly elite. And I, I think some of that is as a result of just roster churn. You know, you saw guys who uh, maybe are not sticking around as long as they used to have. And then at the same time, you know, the elite one and done freshmen that have been coming to the Dukes and the Carolinas in recent years, they didn't this year. They, they went to other places. So um, that talent is sort of dispersed a little bit more than it normally would have. And as a result, just top to bottom, the league took a little bit of a hit this year. All right. You, you talked about UNC a little bit. Let's go ahead and address that. There are some really good first-year players on that team, but they're not, you know, the, the Fab Five. Uh, they're not at that level yet. You see that maybe they could be. You know, Kessler uh, really developed toward the, the end, and Love had uh, really came on strong toward the end. Can they – are they sophomores now, I guess is the question. Yeah, that's, that's, I think, the tricky question. And, you know, when you do have a team that has so many young guys, you know, UNC's got this six-person freshman class, plus Anthony Harris, who's a redshirt freshman from last year. Um, you're, you're talking, in theory, there's a lot of minutes there that are up for the grab next year. But at the same time, this, this offseason is going to be, you know, the, the wildest, most Wild West-esque uh, offseason that college basketball seen in some time. And I say that two reasons. Number one, um, the NCAA is giving an extra year of eligibility to every player. So, you know, a guy like Garrison Brooks, yes, he's a senior. Yes, he's played four years, but he could, in theory, come back for a super senior season. Um, so that's going to complicate roster decisions and movements. And, you know, if Garrison Brooks stays, for instance, 
that would mean fewer minutes for a guy like Walker Kessler, fewer minutes for a guy like De'Ron Sharp. Um, and then at the second time, when you look at this UNC team, there's also a, a new rule that's going into affect this offseason with the transfer portal and guys are able to have a one-time transfer without having to sit out. So if you're not satisfied with your situation, whether it be here or anywhere else in the country, you can just enter the portal and go somewhere else. So um, that freedom of movement and not having to sit out a season, I think is a real incentive for guys to explore decisions they otherwise may not have. Um, but, but I would be shocked honestly, if all six of these freshmen are back next year, I just think there are too many different avenues for players to empower themselves and to leave and make their own choices. All right. So what about Brooks? Is he good enough to go to the pros right now? Um, I think he's good enough to be a pro. I don't think he's good enough to go to the NBA right now. And the reason I say that is uh, his offense just isn't there. You know, defensively, he is a nice, versatile, switchable big man. But offensively, um, he hasn't really flashed any three-point shot this year. I know he's made a couple, but they've been more sort of end of the shot clock. Let me get something up shots. Um, so, so without that element in his game, you look at, is he truly dominant inside? And the answer is no. Um, he's he's at 6'9", his size. He's 6'9", and about 100, 240 pounds, excuse me, um, which is good size, but it's not – a great, amazing size. So uh, I just think he's, he's probably not big enough or skilled enough to be an NBA pro, uh, but certainly there will be a robust market for him to play overseas. And um, th there's an avenue for him to make a nice living for himself playing basketball. So would it be to his benefit to stay another year or is his, is the die sort of cast for him that it's, uh, it's overseas and you might as well just go now? Well, so this, this is the question, you know, does he believe that if he comes back for that super senior season, does he believe that he's going to have the, the showcase that's going to push him into the next level? Um, and when you look at the other bigs on this roster, you know, just the volume of them, there's so many that if all of them come back, there's only going to be so many minutes available for him. So it, it really does sort of depend on what some of the other guys, you know, decide to do. If, if for example, Dayron Sharp, who is by many a projected first round NBA draft pick, you know, if he leaves to go to the NBA, then that would open up some minutes. If one of these other bigs, you know, Armando Baycott or Walker Kessler, Sterling Manley, if one of them decides to transfer in that situation, there's more minutes available. So it, it will sort of depend. I think, you know, there are sort of three choices that Garrison can make at this point. He can either come back to UNC for that senior season, depending on who stays and who goes. He can, you know, get on with his professional career, start making a living. Or the third option, as I had just mentioned, he could, in theory, graduate transfer and play for another year somewhere where he will be showcased more and, and potentially try to get to the NBA that way. So it's going to be a lot of moving pieces. I, I think that UNC fans probably aren't prepared for just how many things are coming down the pipe. Sports Focus. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking with Brendan Marks about uh, March Madness, the big dance, and uh, everything getting started, uh, a basketball fan's favorite time of year. Uh, Brendan, you were mentioning all the big men who have decisions to make, basically, for the Tar Heels. And we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but I do want to uh, address this one thing. You mentioned one guy whose name we haven't heard much in the past two years. What are you thinking is, is happening with him? Yeah, you know, Sterling Manley uh, obviously has not had the UNC career, I think, that he or Tar Heel fans would have hoped for. I mean, this is a guy who, um, as a freshman, showed some real flashes of, of being a dominant rebounder, of being an offensive force, you know, um, certainly more physical than skilled, I would say. But, 
you know, there was a lot there to like when he was younger. And, you know, then he has unfortunately a number of issues with his knees and, and it has taken him until, you know, essentially January of this year. So almost two full calendar years to get back to a point where he's even able to practice. And so, you know, this is a guy who, again, he has major experience playing at this level. He looks good when he was doing it. The injury questions are what they are. Um, I, I cannot imagine that there would be any sort of featured role for him next season, just because uh, it would not be the smartest decision to, to depend on someone that heavily that does have, you know, as extreme an injury history as Sterling does. Um, so I, I think, you know, for him, the best option might ultimately be a transfer somewhere else. You know, I think a situation where he's able to go and, and is relied upon a little bit more, maybe a little bit of a lower level um, where his physicality can really be an asset. I think that's a situation that can behoove both parties. But, um, you know, again, it, it, the timing of all of these decisions is what's going to be fascinating, you know, because once one domino drops, the rest of them are going to start to fall. But until then, everyone's just sort of in a holding stance waiting to see, you know, who's going to make the first decision. All right, so let's uh, jump away from UNC and jump to the broader field. We talked about the ACC a little bit. I want to sort of go out on a limb a little bit here and ask, uh, see if you agree with me. Okay. Is the SEC the ACC of 2021 in that there are three or four teams with a legitimate shot to uh, make the Final Four, maybe even win the whole thing? Yeah, I, I don't think that that's an unreasonable uh, take. I, I think that you could make that same argument as well um, about the Big Ten this year. You know, I think that the Big Ten, you look in, you know, across the bracket line, you've got Illinois as a one seed, you've got Michigan as a one seed, you've got Ohio State as a two, Iowa as a two. So, you know, four, four teams in the Big Ten that are all in the top four. But no, I think the SEC especially has come on strong of late. Um you know, nobody wants to play Alabama right now. The way that they play, the way that um, Nate Oates has sort of implemented an analytics heavy, uh, player friendly, fast paced system. Um, you know, Alabama probably plays the most NBA like basketball of, of any major power conference team. I mean, the way that they just strictly focus on getting to the rim or getting three pointers uh, and, and despite playing so fast, their defense is insane. You know, their defense hasn't taken a step back because of that. So, yeah, I, I certainly think you could say that about either one of those two leagues, but um, if I had to pick one, I think I'd probably say that I give the big 10 a little bit of an edge um, just because they're a little more top heavy than the sec is. All right, I'm going to go ahead and let you know that my bracket has Alabama and Arkansas in the championship game. Wow. And I, I, I certain, certainly didn't set out with that in mind, but just the way it worked out as I went through, it's like, I don't know. I, I could see this happening. Yeah, I, I think Alabama especially is going to be a pretty trendy Final Four pick for a lot of people. Um, I have them – in my bracket, I have them losing to Texas, I believe, uh, in the Sweet 16, um, just because I had a chance to see Texas play earlier in person in the Maui Invitational and um, really like the Longhorns. But no, I mean, again, this Alabama team is is elite. You know, we're talking about the number two ranked uh, defense in terms of adjusted defensive efficiency per Ken Palm, and their offense is uh, only 34th in the country, but the number of threes they get up is crazy. Um, and they've got, you know, legitimately five or six guys who can all knock them down, you know? So I, I really like this Alabama team. They're playing their best basketball right now. Um, obviously winning the sec tournament speaks to itself being a two seed, but, um, for anyone who hasn't had a chance to watch Alabama play, I, I certainly recommend it. Their tempo, the way they play, uh, it's just objectively very entertaining. And, and I have to admit to being a bit biased. I have a degree from that institution. That's one thing. 
The other is what a great story would it be for the low, <laughs> the lesser sport at Alabama to win a national championship. Yeah. It would be like UNC football winning a national title. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. And actually one of my colleagues did a story on this recently. It's, it's interesting. You mentioned that about how Alabama's athletic department and, and overall university administration, they've made it a point to not let football steal the show anymore. They want swimming to be a big deal. They want basketball to be a big deal. They want baseball to be a big deal. They want, you know, their science and their research to be a big deal. So, um, you know, this, this growth from Alabama doesn't look like it's going to be a temporary one year flare up. I mean, I think this is, you know, by the looks of everything that we're seeing out of Tuscaloosa, this is the beginning of something that that is really going to be sustainable and um, potentially special for the basketball program, of course. Sports Focus, we'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus and our discussion with Brendan Marks about the, the NC2A tournament, March Madness, the big dance, all those uh, fun titles that we give to the uh, NC2A basketball tournament. So, Brendan, I, again, what do I know? You know, but in my <laughs> bracket, there's not a single one seed in the final four. Wow. That is, uh, that is, that is Dr. T you're going out on a limb with that one. I, <laughs> the reason I say that is this, because I look at this bracket and there are a ton of good teams. You know, there's some, some great teams, even down lower lines. I mean, uh, Oklahoma state is a four seed and I think they could very easily win the national title. Uh, you know, there, there are so many, you know, Villanova is a five seed Winthrop. If no one's seen Winthrop play, they're really good. They're 12. So there's a ton of good lower seeds. The reason I bring all that up is because I cannot get past the number one overall seed in the tournament, which is Gonzaga. And that team, uh, I believe, is special. I think that Gonzaga has a very good chance based on how balanced it is on both sides of the ball. Obviously, everyone knows how electric their offense is. They put up more points than anyone in the country. But at the same time, their defense is ninth in the country in terms of adjusted efficiency. And they have an incredibly fast tempo. They're so deep. They're so deep. They can legitimately roll out 10 guys who are, you know, all high D1 major players. Um, I just don't think this team has any weaknesses. And people will say, you know, the competition that they play is not great. Go back and look at their schedule. This is a team that beat Kansas, Auburn, West Virginia and Iowa all in a row, all on neutral floors to start the year. Also had an absolute drubbing of Virginia. We were talking about the ACC. Gonzaga beat the number one team in the ACC by 23 points back around Christmas time. So um, this is an elite, elite team. Mark Fuse never won a national title. He's one of the most perennially ignored, underrated coaches in the league. I do believe that this is the year. I have Gonzaga winning it all. Um, I just don't think there's any team that can match the balanced you know, nature of both sides of this ball, ball club. All right, so here's my thinking about the Zags. I don't disagree with anything that you said, but the law of averages says you're going to slip up at some point. You're going to have a bad game. The Zags haven't had it yet. Do they have it in the tournament? Yeah, that's, I think, and that, that is a totally a fair concern. Um, you know, I thought, I thought that there was a chance um, in the West Coast Conference uh, championship game, they play BYU, who's a sixth seed. And at halftime, we're down and, and didn't actually look great in the first half. And, you know, Mark Few must have given his guys the special stuff at halftime because, you know, they came out and just just dominated world to a 10 point win was never really in question after halftime. So, yeah, you do worry about that. But at the same time, again, their, their path is not incredibly, incredibly difficult in their region. 
The four seed Virginia is having COVID-19 issues. The three seed Kansas is having COVID-19 issues. Creighton is having uh, personnel issues with its head coach, obviously having been temporarily suspended. The two seed Iowa, these teams have already played. Gonzaga won by 11 and Iowa's dealing with more injuries now. So the bracket, you know, the region that they are in in the West uh, to me is the easiest region out of all four. And just the, the, the different matchups and different situations there, I think it's a, a very little resistance that the Zags will see in getting to the final four. And then, and then at that point, you know, whether it be Alabama or Texas or Michigan or whoever, um, that's when I think they'll really probably see their first test of the tournament. One thing lots of fans love about this tournament is that lesser teams or, or programs that aren't as rich, if you will, right. as some of the other programs have a chance which is one of the reasons why people are advocating for more than four teams in the football playoff. But, you know, there's always a Cinderella. Have you, have you uh, identified your Cinderella for this year? Yeah, it's, it's tricky because uh, I don't, I don't know if this will count as a Cinderella, but a team that I really, really like is Ohio, Uh, not Ohio state. Everyone knows that Ohio state is good. Uh, Obviously they're a two seed, but just actual Ohio. This is a team that you know, blitzed through the Mac conference tournament last week. Um, there are no really signature wins. I would say that this team has, they were able to beat a good Buffalo side on the road in January, but I go back to one of the first games of the year. This is an Ohio team that played Illinois on the road and only lost by two points. And to, to do that for an Illinois team that obviously has changed, but still um, that's incredibly impressive to me. And, and so too, Ohio has a legitimate star in the making, a guy who, if you haven't heard of him yet, his name is Jason Preston. Um, he is going to be a star of this tournament. He's one of the most efficient offensive players in the country. He's top 10 in assist rate. Uh, I think that Ohio has a real chance here to upset the Cavaliers in the first round, given their COVID issues. And I honestly think that there's a really good chance that Ohio makes it to the Sweet 16. Interesting. Uh, and you would never expect anyone to ever put these two phrases together, but could Carolina be a Cinderella? It very well, very well possible. You know, uh, I, I think that I have UNC beating Wisconsin in the first round. I think that ultimately UNC's size is going to be too much of a problem for the Badgers. Um, Wisconsin has two big men and Nate Rovers and Micah Potter, but no, no disrespect to those guys. They're, they're two of the softest six foot 10 guys in the whole country. Um, so beyond that, then you look at a matchup with Baylor and this is a Baylor team that looked invincible before COVID pause in February. And that's been the story of the season. But since Baylor's come back, they've lost two games, uh, lost to Ohio state or Oklahoma state, excuse me, in the big 10, big 12 tournament. And generally just haven't been defending at the same elite level they were before their offense is still top three nationally, but their defense has slipped all the way to number 44. So I do think that UNC size could be a problem for the Bears. And and no, you know, Roy Williams is a Hall of Famer for a reason. I think that um, it is certainly not inconceivable that UNC pulls the upset there. And uh, if it did, it would be because of those big men we mentioned earlier. I mean, those guys are going to give UNC a chance in every single game, just so long as the guards are making sure they're getting on the ball. All right. Final 20 seconds that we have. You've already mentioned one of your final four teams, the Zags. Who are the other three? Yep. So I have uh, in the bracket where you have Alabama coming out, I have Texas. Like I said, I saw them live and, and just think they have a good mix of youth and, and big guys. Um, on the other side, I have the two one seeds. It's a little chalky, but I have Baylor and Illinois. I mean, there's a reason these have been the top three teams in the country all year. Uh, I think that Illinois has a really good chance to upset Gonzaga in the championship, but ultimately Gonzaga is my pick to win this year's March Madness. And that does it for this edition of Sports Focus. Thanks to our guest, Brendan Marks. 
Thanks also to producer Chip Sweeney. And as always, thanks to you for listening. Cheers. Thanks to Richard Southall, Mark Nagel, and Deborah Southall at the College Sport Research Institute at the University of South Carolina for their research and guidance and for access to CSRI's international network of sources. Sports Focus is a service of UNC's Hussman School of Journalism and Media.